join us on a trip back to the future. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Locked On Flames. As always, I am your host, Jess Belmosto, and I am joined by my partner in crime, Nick Zeraris. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm good. It's actually a nice day outside. The sun is shining. It's a good day. We are hopefully rapidly approaching spring, but not too fast because that means end of more than likely end of Flames hockey. But today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet that's 150 bucks if your bet wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. Today, we are going to be diving into um, what the future may look like, what possibilities are out there, as well as Sean Monahan and how his trade kind of plays into all of this. And of course, because we are still approaching the deadline, we're going to play Trade Matchmaker, so make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts, and of course on YouTube as well. And um, yeah, we're here for you Monday through Friday, five days a week, your team every day. What What is your first thought on the Flames' future? I thought yesterday the game against Winnipeg was a good example of what the next few weeks and off season and next season more likely than not will look like. The Flames are not more talented than the Jets. The Jets got out to a big lead pretty early. Sean Monaghan had a hat trick in the first period, and we'll touch on Sean Monaghan later. But it would have been very easy at 4-1 to to pack it in for the day. To, you know, we don't have it today. There's nothing we can do. We've only been in games this year a lot of the time because of our goaltending. The Flames aren't a team that, you know, they're not going to be able to score two power play goals in the same game and get themselves back in it. They're going to have to put on their hard hats and go to work. They are going to have to outwork the other team for their offense. And you saw a lot of that. You saw the jam plays around the net front on the one Blake Coleman goal where Manjapati made a really nice pass. That was all work. That is not an easy goal to make. Not because it's difficult to make happen. It's that you are more likely than not going to absorb a lot of physical contact on the way to get to that spot. And then to stay in that spot, you're going to be jockeying for position. So that's the kind of identity that the Flames are going to be able to forge in the interim while they figure out who the pieces of that next team are going to be, what an eventual playoff team might look like. It's guys like Coleman and Manjapani and Backlund. You know, it, it's it's we know who are going to be the faces of what this group is going to look like, partly because of the money and the contracts, but also the style of hockey they play. Yeah, and I think, you know, those three players in particular, Backlund, Coleman, and Manjapani, they complement each other very well, which is yeah. why that line has been what it's been for the last three seasons. But I completely agree with you there there are very uh few times where i look at a flames goal and think wow that was so smooth and effortless and they don't they don't have that anymore they don't have a matthew kachuk they don't have johnny gaudreau to finish something so 
effortlessly. And that's the difference. That's something I say all the time when I go to games with my friends who aren't as big of hockey fans, but are casual hockey fans. It's the great players are the ones who make it look effortless. And the the comparison I will always give is we went to the Rangers home opener. I want to say three, three years ago, Ryan Reeves first home game as a Ranger. And he goes, Oh, I can tell what you mean about Ryan Reeves because he looks like he's fighting it every single time he picks up a foot to skate. Whereas you talk about somebody like when Gaudreau was at his best, he was able to bob and weave through traffic with really minimal effort. It looked really easy and it looked really smooth. I mean, Obviously, anybody who's seen Connor McDavid play hockey in the last half decade, he is the most effortless player we've probably ever seen where everything just looks so unbelievably easy. And the Flames are at the f- complete opposite end of the spectrum. They are, we are going to dump the puck in, we are going to cycle, we are going to forecheck, and we are going to outwork you. We might not be more talented than you, but we won't get cheated. And I appreciate that resilience, but that just doesn't feel like a very sustainable. Oh, it's not. (laughs) Absolutely not. Uh, I I forget what the stat was. I want to say Markstrom had not Markstrom. Hellebuck hadn't had four goals scored against him since like November, something ridiculous like that. So sitting at four one, you're thinking, okay, let's make this game respectable so that when people (laughs) look at the box scores tomorrow, it doesn't look as bad. You know, let's get this to four to two, four to three, or five, four, five, three, if they get the empty netter at the end. But let's make it look respectable. But I'll give the Flames, and I'll give the crowd a lot of credit. The crowd was very lively for a four o'clock game on a month, four o'clock Eastern game on a Monday where that first goal, it was pretty loud. And then as they started to inch back into that game, the crowd had started to be like, okay, we can do this. We we can score one more goal. And they got rewarded with a really nice effort yesterday. That is exactly the type of game you want to see from a team that's in this transition period because they're giving you the maximum effort they possibly can. And when you're not the most talented team, that's all you can ask for. Yeah. And, you know, you have guys like Shillington reading plays correctly. And that was awesome. That I was ecstatic over the moon like I am so happy for him and that was such a smart read by him as well it didn't I mean he didn't really have anyone else to pass it to but I feel like this team is very pass first oriented so that that was something that could have happened it didn't but uh good for Shillington and yesterday was family day in Canada so you know they all had their families in the stands uh, more than usual and they could have easily said, I'm not doing this. I want to go home. Like, I want to play with my kids. I want to have energy for that. But they decided to show up. and Good for them. It's a hard way to live. I, I talk about this a lot. The idea is you want to have as many paths to victory as possible. But when you're a team like the Flames that can really only play one style of hockey and you don't even have like high end versions of the guys who can play that style, you know, it'd be one thing if you had a Brad Marchand type, if you still had a Matthew Kachuk, you know, if you had one of the premier power forwards and you wanted to play like this, it would be one thing to spur that type of play because that's generally how you get the crazy comeback to happen is the star player looks around and says, okay, no one else can do it. I'll do it. And they make something happen yesterday. It was it was your lunch pail second and middle. It was your middle six. It was your Manjapani Coleman backland. Kadri got in there on the one goal. It was that kind of game where it it's all hands. At this point, if the Flames are going to win, and we said this before they started trading people, but I'll reiterate it now. 
if everybody needs to be perfect most nights, you're going to have a hard time winning. They weren't perfect yesterday. They kind of pulled one out of, out of nowhere. But every now and then, it's good to be reminded that, hey, they know things aren't great right now, but they're not giving up. That's Flames hockey summed up. I feel like these last four years have pretty much been that. Um, do you think – this is a whole different question. Do you think that the Flames have the opportunity – to acquire in one way or another, not someone of, you know, the upper echelon, like a Brad Marchand or Matthew Kachuk, but someone, someone that can get the job done a little easier. Um, That's the goal. Ultimately, that should be your goal as a general manager is to get as many good players as possible. But what makes them good is there aren't a lot of them, frankly. It, mm -hmm. You know, we're talking about a league with 30 teams. Each team has 18 skaters, two goalies, and then a couple extras. We're talking about of the 750, 800 guys who dress during a given NHL season, we're talking about 50 maybe as being elite players in of that entire league. And a lot of teams have, you know, three or four each. Of the good teams, they have three or four each of those elite guys. So that's the goal now. The Flames have enough of the supporting cast type guys. Like that includes Huberto, that includes Kadri, that includes Uyghur, that includes Anderson. Actually, no, that's that's a little a bit unfair. Anderson and um, Uyghur, I would say, are good enough to be a one-two on a good team. But forwards-wise, that's the goal for this next period. It is either identifying an established player who wants out of their current situation or drafting somebody or finding somebody. And that's something we'll talk about in the third segment as far as matchmaker and teams to target as far as who could be an impact player. But that's the goal now is they need to identify that impact forward. Well, you heard it here first. Nick is your next Flames general manager uh, and he will find that player. But coming up next, we are going to talk about our dear friend, Sean Monahan, and not about his performance yesterday but just how things started in the trajectory of this team kind of started with him but first we are going to take a quick break and I'm going to tell you all about FanDuel get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel America's number one sports book because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bonus bets with any winning $5 bet Nick should I put money on a in any time uh, Panarin goal tonight. Panarin scored once on Sunday. So I would say I would do shots on goal, not a goal. I think that's the, that's the more fun market too, because all you need is them to hit the net as opposed to the puck to actually go in. So easy money tonight. If you want to hang out um, and have some fun with FanDuel, bet on all your favorite NBA and NHL players with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit fanduel.com slash lockdown and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us today on Locked on Flames. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and on YouTube as well. Uh, We'd love to have a five-star rating if you're feeling generous. Yesterday definitely sparked the idea of, oh, Sean Monahan, how we miss you. But then you quickly remember uh, 
how he was hanging on by a, th a thread at some points, couldn't even walk. And the trade was the right decision. I think something we lose sight of, and you and I talk about this idea a lot on, on our show, that you can be a good hockey player, but if the fit doesn't work, the fit doesn't work. And you can be a good player and you can run your course. It's the same thing as a coach where you can be a really good coach or a really good player in one place for an extended period of time. But you, you other guys come in, you lose your spot in the lineup. They ask you to do different things and your situation changes and you're not as well situated for that. Or in the case of someone like Monaghan, just couldn't get healthy for extended periods of time. And it, it benefited him greatly to go to Montreal where the stakes weren't as high. He was given an opportunity to get healthy, get a long offseason, play, I don't want to say no stakes, but lower stakes hockey, where he it, kind of in the same way we talked about yesterday, the young guys, the idea of they get to get in the lineup and just play. If they make mistakes, that's fine. And Monahan's having a really solid season now, and he's going to have an opportunity to make some real money this summer. Some team will give him decent money this offseason on a two- or three-year deal. They will probably ultimately regret it just because that's how free agency works. Mm -hmm. But for the purposes of this conversation, the Flames had to move him when they did. They did not have a choice. It sucks they had to burn a first-round pick to make it happen, but they had to do it. They did not have a choice. Yeah, and we've been talking a lot about the long-term plan here with the Flames, and I, Sean Monahan was not in the cards for that, uh, regardless, I would say, of that last injury or not. I think that, you know, he was going to be, you know, 28 years old with the contract expiring, another older guy tied up for the next seven, eight years. And you don't have, you don't get Kadri if you still yep. have money. That's pretty much the trade-off. That was pretty much the trade-off because they had him signed. The last year of his contract was last season. That original contract that was seven by like six and a quarter, six and 6.3 million, something like that. That was the original contract that expired at the end of last season. And the salary dump was a first round pick to eat that $6 million. That was the going rate. That's what we've seen it be. Uh, that's what Toronto paid the Hurricanes to eat Marlowe's five and a half, six million dollars. So that's about the Flames played market rate. They got Kadri. And I know in hindsight, you would have liked to keep that first round pick because obviously now you're in a transition period and picks are the most valuable thing you could have. But it had to be done. The Flames thought they were going to be competitive last year and they needed to bring in Kadri to play second line center. It, it's that straightforward. Yeah. And I think, you know, no plan is going to go exactly as you have it planned. No, ever. It, is, it does not matter. It could be a simple day at Disney or something as large as a retool, rebuild. Like, it's not, there are going to be obstacles and bumps in the road. And if that obstacle is, giving up that first round pick when and you know like you said in hindsight you really could use it so be it like you you can't operate on regret and I just I don't know I don't think that's a smart way to look at it you can't do that in sports especially because everything is so fluid 
we talk about a lot like thinking about things in terms of a long-term plan that we only know oh so much and we can only do what we know we only have so much actionable information the flames built the roster of last year's team under the mindset that they were going to make the playoffs last year that didn't happen in hindsight if you gave them a mulligan, they probably would have opted to trade Kachuk to a team that would have given them more assets geared towards the future as opposed to Huberto and Uyghur. That same deal as far as um, bringing in Kadri or giving Uyghur that long-term extension after the fact. In hindsight, the, the Flames would have been better off being terrible last year as opposed to picking 16th in the draft. But they thought they were going to be competitive, so they did everything they could to maximize the team they had last year. You got to remember, they went into last year with Daryl as the coach coming off a season where they were one of the best teams in the league. Mm -hmm. They thought they were going to be in the mix. They didn't think they were going to win the division, but they thought they would be a wild card team. And frankly, they should have been. They massively underperformed all of last season. You get slightly better goaltending. That team makes the playoffs last year. And then our conversations about the team right now are very different. So it's really hard when we talk about, well, what's your plan? What's your plan? What's your plan? There are tiers of these plans. I, I talk about it in terms of short, medium, and long-term planning. What's your short-term short -term goal? What's your medium? What's your long-term goal? The long-term goal is still the same. The Flames need to be a consistent playoff team for an extended period of time to get as many chances as they can to win the Stanley Cup. That's the long-term goal. Yeah. We're a long ways away from getting there. What, I mean, what is the medium term? Because we know what the short and long term are. So the medium term is getting more players in here. The medium term plan is they need to identify, like we just talked about, and we're going to talk about in the next segment, they need to identify who the best forward on the future, the future cup contending team could be. I know I saw somebody say the other day, why aren't people taking Kuzmenko a little more seriously as potentially a really good? He's good, don't get me wrong, but I don't think he's a 40-50 goal guy like he was last year on Vancouver. I think that was just a perfect storm of production where there was no team defense being played at all, so they really tilted a lot towards offense. But I think Kuzmenko can be a top six forward on a good team. Sure. But the Flames are going to need that first line center to build around. Or if they want to go something uh, in another path similar to what Vegas did, you still need at least one really good center. If you want to do what Vegas did where Mark Stone's the best player on your second line and you have a really good two-way winger to kind of make up for not having a great second line center, fine. You still need to get those guys. Yeah, you can have this idea of what you need your lineup to be, but if you're not executing it, there, there's, there is not going to be any change or a different result. So, oh boy, the Flames. We love to hate them. I hate to love them. It's entirely up to you. But coming up next, we are going to talk about some of the needs, wants, and desires for the Calgary Flames here at the trade deadline. But first, Game Time has you covered for your next big event, whether it's comedy, music, or sports. Go visit the Game Time app today and use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. Nick, are you planning any adventures to uh, any games? Uh, 20 minutes before we recorded, my friend texted me asking if I wanted to go to Rangers Devils on Thursday. So I, I went on game time and we're going to Rangers Devils on Thursday. 
perfect. Look at that. And that's going to be a crazy game, I'm sure. Um, there's nothing quite like that rivalry. Um, so, yeah, do what Nick did and get your last-minute tickets with flash deals and zone deals just ahead of the game. And you can see your view from the seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. It is the place to find last minute tickets. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKED ON for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L O C K E D O N for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thanks everyone for hanging out with us today on Locked On Flames. Um, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Mosto and at Nick Zararis. Um, there's still no movement. There has no. not been a single <laughs> single update. There's no uh there's nothing brewing. Nothing new. So the idea I had was basically the two teams I would be targeting that I really want the Flames to sell assets to are the Devils and the Stars. Those are two organizations that draft well, historically, that generally speaking, if they draft a player, they've identified something. The Devils in particular have done a really good job of finding guys later in drafts or in other teams' organizations that needed bigger roles. And the two guys that I would I would highlight for as far as who the Flames should be looking to get from the Devils. Now, if we're talking about just Jacob Markstrom, it's probably Alexander Holtz. If we're talking about Markstrom with one of the two defensemen, whether it be Tanev or Hannafin, I would be asking for Dawson Mercer. Dawson Mercer scored 40 goals last year. He's a bona fide top six wing on a what should be a good team, but that's the type of player the Flames, if they're giving up two guys and they're going to be asked to retain salary, I don't really want draft picks from these teams because we're talking about teams that are going to be picking in the 20s. Yeah. That's the other component here. I want one slam dunk guy to come out of the rest of these moves. The pick they got from Vancouver is nice. The two prospects they got might play NHL games, but the, neither of those guys is a slam dunk future Calgary flame. That needs to be the goal here if they're trading Hannafin and especially if they're trading Markstrom because Markstrom is the best goalie available on this market. It's that simple. I know it's hard to trade for a goalie. He has two more years at $6 million. They, As a team that is rebuilding, they should not be afraid to retain salary on this contract because ultimately $2, $3 million on bad teams doesn't matter a whole lot. No, and we've seen that with Arizona being the third team and how many trades over these last few years. But who do you get from the stars potentially? I the one person I saw was Ty Delandria, who he lost his spot in the pecking order because they brought in people in the offseason, like they brought in Matt Duchesne, who kind of stole that second, third line center role. He's somebody who's got a lot of speed, like gen 
straight line foot speed and doesn't really have a role with Dallas based on how they're currently constructed. And he's more of the Sharon Govich box of with more ice time and maybe a little bit more responsibility, he'd be able to pop and play a little bit at a little bit of a higher level, as opposed to someone like Mercer or Holtz, who's a bit more of a established, like blue chip. You want this guy type. Okay. And just to go back to Jersey for a second, um, Holtz was getting benched. Yes. Is that what what was that about? Uh Lindy Ruff falls into the stereotypical hockey man trope okay. of young European player needs to learn how to play the game the right way, which means play a 200 foot game, even though you know that's not the reason he was drafted in the first round. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So there it's not because of no anything. I don't even want to say problematic because that seems so over dramatic, but like a cause, a true cause for concern. This, yes, it's very much a player that Ryan Huska could could coach. Correct. And the other thing here is just like these guys need opportunity. The Flames are going to be nothing but opportunity for the next few years. They need these guys who are hungry, who want to establish themselves as NHL regulars. That's a good thing to have as a team that's rebuilding. You know, it, the best thing they can do is foster a healthy culture of competition amongst young guys who want to be here long term, who want to prove their worth, who look at this as a real chance to stick at the NHL level. And ultimately, and this ties into what we talked about in the opening segment of the show, to set the tone of what the Flames are going to look like going forward. They are not going to be good enough to be a playoff team for a while, more than likely. But that doesn't mean they can't be competitive. It doesn't mean they can't try really hard every given night. And ultimately, when you foster a culture of competition where nobody is firmly established and you're willing to give people chances, that's how you find diamonds in the rough. That's how you find you know, a fourth or a fifth round pick who can kind of play a little bit above their weight and stick just because you gave them a chance. Now I understand it's a little bit different for the devils. Like they don't want to give Holtz as much leeway because they're trying to make the playoffs right now. And they're kind of in a tight playoff race. That's not an issue here for the flames. <laughs> Go out and get whoever you want in return for your established NHL players. Get a nice return. Take the training wheels off 18 minutes a night power play two. Let's see what you got. Yeah. And we had talked about um, just the amount of opportunity and sample sizes and creative line combinations that you could get out of the Flames. And right after we recorded, the Flames played and they gave us some of those silly, abnormal uh, line combos. And that's fine. This, that's what we, that's what they need. To figure it out. And if, like we said, start now because it's your free trial. You have all this extra time. You're not going anywhere. That's the mindset to have when you're in a transitionary period. You can't be unwilling to make mistakes because their flames are going to make mistakes during this rebuilding process. That's the thing you got to keep in mind here is rebuilds are not linear. For the most part, it is you throw as many picks and roster players at the wall until you find 
your core pieces that you're going to build out around and you go from there. I mean, you think about it in the context of the Devils, the Sabres, you know, these are five, six, seven, eight year periods of just throwing stuff at the wall until you find the right mix. And the Devils have executed this pretty well where now it's just a matter of getting the auxiliary pieces right. You know, they've got Heischer, they've got Hughes, they've got Brett, they've got Timo Meyer, they've got Dougie Hamilton, they've got Simon Nemec, they've got Luke Hughes. They've got all of the 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 they've got all the foundational pieces. Now it's about they got to get the goalie right and they got to figure out what's the right combination of forwards and defensemen around our star players. Well, I hope Jacob Markstrom has a really good realtor and finds him a nice place because it would be nice to actually get uh, something tangible in return. But I think that does it for today's episode. Um, if Do you have anything else to add before we check out for the day? No, I think I'm good on that. This We are in a fun period now because I'm not going to say there are no consequences, but there are no. minimal consequences. Yeah, just have fun. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to Lockdown Flames wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. You can follow us both on Twitter at Jess Belmosto and at Nick Zararis. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us and making us part of your day. And we will see you tomorrow.